Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Our scripture passage for today comes from Colossians, chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. Hear these words. The word of Christ must live in you richly. Teach and warn each other with all wisdom by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Whatever you do, whether in speech or action, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus and give thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Sing over us, God, for your servants are listening. Open our ears, our minds, and our hearts to hear your word this day. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So we're in this sermon series, The Music Metaphor. The first week, uh, Vance shared with us about melody and harmony, and Aaron was on the piano helping us uh, understand that with the words of Jesus loves me. And then we uh, shifted gears a little bit to talk about rhythm and tempo. And Pete was here on the drums uh, teaching that and teaching us the importance about different speeds, but also the importance of rest. And then last week, we all got to participate by making music with those noisemakers, right? And that brought some joy and some levity to us as we uh, heard how God's Spirit breathes the breath of life into us, and that we are instruments in the hands of God, and that through us, God uh, does beautiful work in the world, makes beautiful music in and through us. And so today, we're going to focus on the words, the lyrics that Uh, We sing when we gather together in worship, that when we hear the choir sing over us as they lead us in worship. And so I'm going to need your help a little bit today, okay? There's no noisemakers or kazoos this week. But I invite you to join with me in singing this song. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh, o'er the fields we go. Laughing all the way, ha, 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 bells on bobtail ring, making spirits bright. What fun it is to light and sing a sleighing song tonight. Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Very nice, very nice. 
I hope, uh, you know, the choir folks were kind of also listening because we got some good singers out here. Jingle Bells. We all know this song. And it will now be stuck in our heads for the rest of today. I'm sorry. In a study done by the University of St. Andrews, Jingle Bells ranks in the top 10 of earworms. Earworms are not real worms, but they are songs or portions of songs that get stuck in our ears and in our heads, and they stay with us for hours or days, weeks, months, or even years. Earworms, they can be songs that we enjoy. Perhaps we like a particular phrase or a tune or a beat. Perhaps we really enjoy the artist who sang a song. Maybe we can think back to significant moments in our lives and perhaps hear the music that was playing at the time when that happened. And so now we hear that song and it takes us back to that moment in our lives. We can feel that we were in that moment even decades later. A few weeks ago, I heard a song that I had not heard in 20 years. I was driving in my car, and the song comes on Spotify, and it was sung by a different artist, so, you know, it was not the artist I originally heard singing the song, and they did a little differently, but as I was driving, I realized I was singing along. Has that ever happened to you? And you think to yourself, like, whoa, I'm a genius. I know all the words to these songs. But really, no, it's just somewhere deep in our long-term memory. It's been stored away, filed away. And so I heard that song and I enjoy it, enjoyed it. It brought a smile to my face. But I found myself thinking back over the lyrics of that song throughout the rest of the week and going, hmm, as it was an earworm kind of playing again and again in my head. Earworms can also be songs we do not like. They can be songs that have annoyed us. Or perhaps we do not like the words. We find them to be a little cheesy. Perhaps they are songs we have just heard one too many times. Those of you that have ever been parents or grandparents can think back to songs that your children or grandchildren loved and they played them on repeat. Let it go. Please let it go, right? When we listen... Our brains process what we hear in different parts of our brain. Now, I'm no neuroscientist or neurosurgeon. You can be glad about that. But depending on what we're hearing, it gets filed and processed away in different places. So speech is processed on the left side of the brain. Music and sounds are processed on the right side of the brain. So if we just happen to hear the lyrics of a song, it goes in on our left side. But if we hear the piano or we hear the music, we hear um, the sounds that go along with those words, we hear someone singing those words, it gets processed on the right side of our brain. People who experience strokes or other neurological conditions might have trouble remembering what is said to them because it's processed on one side of the brain. But if you sing, 
that same message, they'll remember it because it gets filed away. It's processed in a different place. So let's think about this in regards to scripture. If we just read or hear scripture, we're only storing that scripture on the left side of our brains. The right sides of our brains are missing out on the truth of scripture, God's word. But if we sing it, or we hear it, we listen to a choir sing it over us, the right sides of our brain get to process and engage with that scripture. Here is the genius of our scripture lesson for today. If the word of Christ is to live in us richly, then I think we must process and store the word of Christ in both sides of our brains. Therefore, teach and warn each other with all wisdom by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. This instruction to sing and to teach and to encourage to warn, to correct each other through singing. It was given to this church community in Colossae back in the first century. But I don't think that message was just for them. I think that message, this instruction, goes for all church communities and all locations ever since, including us. But this instruction to sing scripture, it wasn't revolutionary, even in the time of the first century. For hundreds of years, the people of God had been singing scripture. How do we know that? Well, there's a not so little book in the middle of your Bibles, the book of Psalms. This is a book of 150 poems and songs. We've lost the the music, the sheet music, the score over the years, but we have the lyrics. We have the words that people would sing as part of their religious, religious gatherings, as part of their worship time, as part of their time to kind of receive scripture and have it live in them through music. Psalms 120 through 134 are pilgrimage psalms. And so pilgrims that were going to Jerusalem to go to the temple to worship, they would travel together. This is like, you know, the precursor to a road trip. And so they would all get together and they would journey up to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is a higher altitude than other places in Israel. And so they would kind of have to climb up the hills to Jerusalem. And the temple was on top of a a hill in Jerusalem. So the temple is even up high. And so they're kind of, they see Jerusalem kind of up above them in the distance. And so the people are winding their way to Jerusalem. And so practically, it makes sense that they might want to sing as part of their journey to the temple. Why? Well, it helped pass the time right? It helped kind of keep them moving, you know, like so people didn't start getting tired and dragging their feet because they were singing 
and singing along kind of helped motivate and give them momentum to get up the hill to get to Jerusalem. Singing was also a way to teach people scripture in a time when not everyone could read, in a time when not everyone had access to the scrolls and to the scriptures themselves. They relied on people in the community who had read and memorized the scriptures, who had memorized the songs, who could then teach it to the other people in the community. So in a way, this traveling together and singing these psalms was a way of community building. And it was a way of teaching the next generations the scriptures and inviting people to to participate together in that communal learning and that communal passing down of knowledge. The temple was destroyed in 70, common era. So presumably, we can reasonably um, kind of assume that Jesus would have been singing psalms and scriptures on his way to Jerusalem when he was a child and a young man, even when he was with his disciples and they were making their way to Jerusalem. They were singing scripture as they went. German pastor and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, the word of scripture should never stop sounding in your ears and working in you all day long, just like the words of someone you love. And just as you do not analyze the words of someone you love, but accept them as they are said to you, accept the word of scripture and ponder it in your heart, as Mary did. That is all. Do not ask, how shall I pass this on? But what does it say to me? Then ponder this word long in your heart until it has gone right into you and taken possession of you. In other words, I think Dietrich Bonhoeffer is encouraging us to make scripture earworms, words that we can hear over and over in our minds and our hearts, words that we can cling to when we are in need, words that give language to our faith, to our hopes, to our fears when maybe we don't even have the words ourselves. Singing scripture, singing our theology, it forms us as the people of God. Charles Wesley, brother of John, they were both founders of the Methodist movement. While John was kind of the more known as the preacher and the organizer, Charles was a prolific hymn writer. He was the creative. We think Charles wrote somewhere just under 10,000 hymns. One of his most famous hymns we uh, sing at Christmas time, both here in the church, but you'll also hear it playing anywhere you go that plays Christmas music, and it's Hark the Herald Angels Sing. This hymn not only tells us the story of Jesus' birth, but it also relates to us some pretty profound theology. Charles explains the incarnation with these words from the hymn. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, 
Hail the incarnate deity, pleased with us in flesh to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. When we sing this stanza, when we sing these words, we claim that Jesus is God with us. And not only that, that Jesus, God with us, is happy to dwell with us. Does that kind of change your perception of God when you think that God is happy to be with you, to dwell with you? Charles explains that Jesus has come to offer salvation to us. Jesus was born that we no more may die, born to raise us from the earth, born to give us second birth. The birth of Jesus makes salvation and eternal life possible for us. Even in the time of the Wesley brothers, most people did not know how to read. And a lot of people could not afford books. And so when the Methodists would gather together for their times of worship, for their times of community, John encouraged them to sing. But because he was John Wesley and methodical, he said, I'm going to give you some instructions for singing. And so here are some of these instructions. They're found in the beginning, the beginning part of your hymnal, like the hymnal that's in your pews. If you go to the very beginning pages, these instructions are in there. Um, in fact, I took this picture out of a hymnal, like this morning, well, a few days ago, but still. Anyway, some of these instructions are pretty funny. Number three, sing all. Sing that you join with the congregation as frequently as you can. Number four, sing lustily and with good courage. Beware of singing as if you were half dead or half asleep, but lift up your voice with strength. You guys, he was writing this to people in the 1700s. It's like he was here with us in worship, not today, but other days, maybe. Number seven, above all, or no, no, number five, sing modestly. Do not bawl so as to be heard above or distinct from the rest of the congregation, so that you may not destroy the harmony, but strive to unite your voices together so as to make one clear, melodious sound. Do you see that? Like, sing with good courage. Sing loud. Sing with feeling. But don't, like, make a spectacle of yourself. Right? Hold that balance of, of unity and diversity, individualism and community. We can hold these things together even in our singing, John Wesley says. These instructions, they sought to include singing as a helpful teaching tool and an act of worship. Singing our faith teaches us about God and enables us to experience God. But I think singing our faith also allows us to witness to our faith in powerful ways. For hundreds of years, African people were taken from their homeland and forced into slavery. They no longer had agency over their own lives, including their faith. So when these enslaved Africans were brought to what we now know as the United States of America, they had to convert to the religion of their master. So while the Christian faith was also forced upon them, many enslaved people also embraced the Christian faith for themselves. 
Because even in the midst of their slavery, they could see God at work in their lives. They could experience God's love in the midst of slavery. They could hear God's story of liberation through the preaching and teaching of the Bible. Just as God freed the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, so too could God free the slaves in the United States of America. So again, if people couldn't read, and in some places it was illegal to teach enslaved people how to read, how could they pass down these scriptures? Through stories and through song. Singing songs of liberation gave people hope, even in the face of brutality. These spiritual songs were passed down through the generations even after slavery was officially abolished. These spiritual songs continued to give people hope that God could free them from slavery, from segregation, from Jim Crow laws, and racism. Singing united people participating in marches and rallies during the Civil Rights Movement. One of the most famous songs from this era is the song, We Shall Overcome. It's found in your your hymnal in the pews. This song brought people together and gave people hope that one day we shall overcome. We shall overcome racism. We shall overcome hatred. We shall overcome sin and death. We can see in photos And imagine people holding hands, walking together, and singing this song and other spirituals. People from all walks of life and from all sorts of faith traditions participated in the civil rights movement. And while the song, We Shall Overcome, is not explicitly Christian, Christian people saw that this spiritual depicted what it looks like when the people of God partner with God to do God's work in the world. With God's grace at work among us, we shall overcome. We shall walk hand in hand. We shall be free. We shall live in peace. And the Lord will see us through. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. This is a descriptive list. I think what Colossians is telling us that all music has the power to form us as the people of God. The songs we listen to, the songs that get stuck in our heads, do these songs encourage us and fill us with God's spirit? Do these songs teach us about our faith? Do these songs correct us and challenge us and provoke us to transformation? Do these songs give us words when life is hard? How can music enable the word of Christ to live richly in you? Let us pray. Gracious God, 
You sing over us. You sing words of salvation and of hope, of healing and restoration. So God, may we hear you singing to us today. May your song work within us. May you use our voices and our bodies to sing your good news in the world. It's in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.